If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. It is, as, as uh, Chief Wass said, uh, uh, a milestone in the history of Canada. Tonight, a tentative agreement between the government and the Wet'suwet'en hereditary chiefs, but why pipeline unrest may not be over. Plus, allegations of abuse towards some of B.C.'s most vulnerable. The proposed class action lawsuit against the largest chain of for-profit care homes in B.C. And... We've seen the biggest weekly decline in financial markets since the Great Recession. The economic impact of COVID-19, how the virus is costing all of us in more ways than one. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. After marathon negotiations in Smithers this weekend, a significant breakthrough. Government representatives and Wet'suwet'en hereditary chiefs appear to have reached a deal following weeks of nationwide protests over a natural gas pipeline project in northern B.C. Sarah McDonald joins us from Smithers. And Sarah, there's now a proposed agreement. That's right, the details of which have not been publicly released yet, but if finalized, will no doubt have major implications for this province and the entire country going forward. History in the making in northern BC. This is where it starts. The duty to consult as well as uh, the rights and title. With a potentially precedent-setting proposed agreement reached between Indigenous leaders and government officials. A process to recognize rights and title for the future. We've done that in three days and three nights. The conclusion of exhaustive, intensive and at times difficult dialogue on rights and title and reconciliation. And exactly what that looks like. We are definitely looking at at sitting down with uh, the RCMP again because um, it's not over. The eyes of the nation fixated on talks only a select few could actually witness, all unfolding behind closed doors. As unrest among supporters of the Wet'suwet'en Nation chiefs, opposed to a natural gas pipeline, ripples across the country. It is about making sure that this never happens again, that the rights holders will always be at the table and that is the way through for for Canada. When you say this will never happen again, what does this look like going forward? That it is about the nation coming together to make sure that their traditional laws and customs and legal orders are are honored as they form a government that can work nation to nation with Canada. I think that's what we're trying to do coast to coast to coast. While the details of that draft deal aren't yet public, there's little doubt of its potential implications going forward. As companies look to capitalize on Indigenous land. The hereditary chiefs are opposed to any pipeline going through the territory. But it's not retroactive. And this this multi-billion dollar project, backed by band councils and government, remains fully permitted. With work on hiatus for the duration of discussions resuming Monday, the future of already tenuous and complicated relationships remains clouded in uncertainty. 
It's going to be on the governments to educate the non-Wet'suwet'en. We still have a country called Canada. It's okay. But things are going to be changed as to how they're done. The one thing is undisputed. All this and this about far more than just a pipeline. The only way that we can make Canada a better country is if we do it together. In a province sitting mostly on unceded territory. And it remains to be seen what this tentative deal could mean for those blockades that we've seen across the country in recent weeks. Premier John Horgan and the Prime Minister both said to have been intimately involved in the creation of this draft deal and both said to be ready and willing to sign it if and when the Wet'suwet'en people are. And Colleen, the clans making up Wet'suwet'en Nation are set to look over that draft deal in the coming weeks. Sarah McDonald in Smithers tonight. Sarah, thank you. The proposed agreement did little to assuage protesters in downtown Toronto. A large group of demonstrators outside a mining convention made their views known about the resource industry, some protesting in solidarity with the Wet'suwet'en hereditary chiefs. We will not allow these companies to continue to evict Indigenous people off their land. We are still here and we've only gotten stronger and our solidarity is building and the infrastructure and the economy will pay. We have some breaking news. A large fire is burning on the Prince Rupert waterfront. This was the scene late this afternoon. A global viewer sent us this video. And as you can see, flames and thick smoke are billowing out of a large structure, possibly a storage building used by CN Rail. Smoke from the blaze is visible throughout Prince Rupert. We've reached out to the fire department, but they haven't said yet if anyone is injured, nor if they know how this fire started. A poor Coquitlam woman who police believe died from neglect and starvation was remembered today. Florence Gerard's caregiver and a community care center have both been charged in connection with her death. As Grace Key reports, a vigil was held in her honor at today's annual Disability Day of Mourning. She was silly. She loved to laugh. She was also an accomplished swimmer. On this International Disability Day of Mourning, people in this Burnaby Community Hall are remembering 54-year-old Florence Gerard. She lived with Down syndrome and died in October 2018 from starvation. She weighed just 56 pounds. We are connecting these incidents, these single cases, as not just isolated, but as part of a larger system of ableism, of oppression, of the idea that a disabled life is not worth living. And this ties, of course, into the institutions. And those institutions included Woodlands in New Westminster. Bill MacArthur was in and out of Woodlands starting at age five. He was part of a legal compensation battle for hundreds of survivors who endured horrific physical and sexual abuse. I saw kids coming out of those showers, their skin hanging off in strips with blisters because they'd been scalded alive. This was what Woodlands was like. As for Florence Gerard, her Port Coquitlam caregiver and the society that contracted her have both been charged with failing to provide the necessaries of life. Those charges have yet to be proven in court. We, we want to remember with this event, we want to remember them as people, uh, people like us. Both the caregiver and the nonprofit organization who oversaw the shared living program will be making a court appearance on March 9th. Grace Key, Global News.
A proposed class action lawsuit against the largest chain of for-profit care homes in B.C. It's based on allegations of neglect, mistreatment and abuse of seniors at a number of privately owned facilities. As Shelby Tom reports, those care homes are now under the administration of local health authorities. In a rare move, Interior Health appointed an administrator last week to temporarily take control of the long-term care facility at Summerland Seniors Village. Health officials say the privately owned 112-bed care home wasn't meeting the legislated standard of care. Our focus is high-quality care for the residents and uh, this process was needed to ensure we get there. It's the fourth care home in B.C. owned by Retirement Concepts to be placed under administration by health authorities since September. The other three are on Vancouver Island. Lawyers say a proposed class action lawsuit is in the works against Retirement Concepts and Cedar Tree Investment Canada, a subsidiary, a Beijing-based Onbong insurance group, which purchased the chain of care homes in 2017. The lead plaintiffs are the children of a woman now deceased who allegedly experienced neglect at the Waverly Seniors Village in Chile. In 2017. This class action concerns systemic neglect, mistreatment, and abuse of senior citizens who live in retirement facilities operated by the defendants, says the notice of civil claim, which hasn't been proven in court. The action covers all of the retirement concepts facilities in BC, including Summerland Seniors Village. To those uh, family members and residents, uh, we urge you to, uh, to reach out to us uh, if you've got something to say about the, the uh, treatment that you've had in the facility. The company hasn't filed a response, but the B.C. government, also named in the suit, has. The province denies liability, saying the defendants are corporations that are not owned or controlled by the province. The proposed class action lawsuit hasn't been certified. Dudding says the claim's primary objective is to achieve lasting permanent change in for-profit care facilities. Shelby Tom, Global News. Vancouver police are looking for any witnesses or dash cam video to an overnight crash on the Broad Street Bridge that's left a 20-year-old man with serious injuries. The VPD says the man is believed to have been walking in the southbound lanes on the north end of the span just after 3 o'clock this morning when a vehicle swerved to avoid hitting him. That car struck another vehicle, which then hit the pedestrian. The driver of the vehicle that struck the man remained on scene. Speed and alcohol are not believed to be factors. Vancouver police would like to hear from the other driver or anyone who may have dash cam footage on the bridge at the time. Two children were rushed to hospital last night after two vehicles collided in the intersection of Grandview Highway and Nanaimo. The VPD says two kids in one of the vehicles suffered serious injuries. The driver of the other vehicle had minor injuries. The cause of the crash isn't known. Everyone involved is cooperating with police. A rock slide east of Golden closed Highway 1 for hours today. The rocks tumbled from the failed hoodoo face on Highway 1 in Kicking Horse Canyon this morning. And the major route was closed from east of Golden to 9 kilometers west of the west boundary of Yoho National Park as the slope continued to be active. Crews conducted a geotechnical assessment prompting a detour through radium via Highway 93 and 95. After being hit hard by crime linked to the ongoing homeless encampment in Oppenheimer Park, Vancouver's Buddhist temple is moving forward, hosting a major spring fundraiser today. But as Kristen Robinson reports, for the second year in a row, the country's largest Japanese-Canadian festival didn't return to the park. After a tough year in Vancouver's old Japantown neighborhood, 
Canada's oldest Buddhist temple is back. Serving up homemade udon at its spring fundraiser. Chicken bones and kelp, nothing artificial. We made some sushi as well, uh, curry beef, uh, manju, the one that got stolen, we replaced it the best we can. The manju desserts almost selling out after getting cleaned out during a January break-in. Surveillance video captured a parade of looters passing through the temple's garage. 1,500 of the pastries baked by volunteers among the items missing. Well, it's uh, been a little bit challenging, but you know what? We have to always look forward and look for brighter days, and, you know, things might get better, and we hope the people across the street can have a, a better future as, as well. Since PHS Community Services was hired by the province to clean up Oppenheimer and house people, neighbors are seeing progress. We know that... Um, this work uh, takes time. Uh, some of the changes we've seen, it looks a little cleaner. The business community's message, keep it up and keep engaging us. It's getting better, slowly, but surely it'll, it'll get better. Still, potential violence remains. A domestic dispute last Tuesday triggered the discovery of a large cache of weapons in a tent, including nine guns, more than 30 knives, two machetes and a hunting bow and the Powell Street Festival deciding not to return to Oppenheimer this year after relocating to the surrounding streets in 2019 so as not to displace people living in the park. Forgiveness means forget about it and move on. The park more peaceful now, according to temple members, moving forward with a Buddhist approach. Kristen Robinson, Global News. A B.C. woman is pleading for the return of some of her late daughter's last possessions. Julie Raymond's 16-year-old daughter, Shannon, died from a combination of alcohol and ecstasy after a night on a party bus in 2008. The family had been storing some of Shannon's personal effects in a Maple Ridge storage locker, including RCMP evidence bags with the items she wore the night she died. Recently, someone broke into the locker and ransacked it. Gone are two rare guitars, a Gibson Blue Ridge and a LePetri, along with Shannon's wallet and a TNT bag similar to this one. Also gone is the 17th birthday gift she received two weeks before she died, a belly button ring with her birthstone. When you lose somebody and you come home and you're faced with all of those memories, physical memories, you already have them in your heart, but when you walk through the door and you're, you're faced with all of that, we just couldn't. We had to box them up and to move them. You have no heart. You knew what you broke into was a deceased child's belongings, and you made the conscious decision to rip them apart. And give them back. Uh, yeah, really. Give, them, give the things back. They're not yours. Bit of a scare for passengers on board an Air Canada flight from San Francisco to Vancouver this morning. The Air Canada Express Flight 8839 was forced to return to SFO shortly after takeoff when the smoke alarm went off for a rear lavatory. The aircraft received priority landing and landed safely. The crew performed an emergency evacuation as a precaution. Emergency vehicles met and it's inspected the aircraft that was found that there was no fire. Another aircraft and crew were dispatched to resume the flight to YVR. Ontario is reporting four new cases of COVID-19 today. That brings the number in that province to 15. 
although three have since recovered. The four new patients are all from the greater Toronto area and all had recently traveled. The total number across the country now sits at 24, including eight here in B.C. The Asian financial markets have opened for another week of potentially volatile trading. Markets around the world have been taking a beating over fears of the COVID-19 outbreak. It's been compounded here in Canada by rail and port blockades that have stopped the shipment of goods. Paul Johnson looks at how this virus could cost us all. While only a tiny handful of us can reasonably expect to catch COVID-19 virus. That's a wrap on an ugly week. Many more of us should be ready for continued economic fallout from the outbreak to infect our investments. North American financial markets have sold off violently in the past week. The major markets in Toronto and New York saw declines not seen since the Great Recession of 2008 driven mostly by big institutional investors who've scored profits in recent months and want to lower the risk in their portfolios. There's a whole bunch of fear and uncertainty out there in financial markets right now because of the extent how is this virus going to play out and nobody really knows, so everybody's been selling stocks. So how long until that trend plays out? Of course, the straight answer is nobody knows. But a couple of factors are expected to guide the market. One potential positive is that this virus is short-lived. In that case, investors might step in to buy good companies now trading at a discount and restore equilibrium. But if the outbreak grows and even more consumers start staying home, the hit to the demand side of the economy could worsen the situation and threaten to turn what's been a market correction into a full-blown recession. One thing you can definitely expect over the next five days is either a single or concerted effort by central banks around the world uh, to provide credit. In the event of a wider economic crisis, governments have two main tools to use. The monetary one, central banks slashing interest rates, and the fiscal one, government spending projects. Analysts say expect either or both to happen if COVID-19 isn't brought under control in the next 10 days or so. Until then, if you're prone to checking your investments every day, you might learn to manage your expectations. Well, these are exciting times. Paul Johnson, Global News. The fifth annual HSBC Bank Canada Rookie Rugby Jamboree was held today at Vancouver's Andy Livingstone Park. The grassroots event began in 2015 to bring BC rugby clubs together to celebrate youth rugby. HSBC Rookie Rugby now has more than 91,000 participants, most of them young female athletes. The 500 BC boys and girls got a coaching session with rugby legends Jamie Cudmore and Ghislaine Landry. You know, a lot of these kids have never seen a rugby ball before and by the end of the session they're laughing and they're having fun and they've made new friends. And for me that's the biggest part. I came into the sport a lot later than a lot of these kids are. Um, but I've made lifelong friendships. It's, it's given me so much, and to have these kids have that opportunity from such a young age is massive. The uh, Vancouver stop on the Seventh Circuit is one of, the, uh, one of the best stops. Speaking with the players, they all enjoy it. They love coming here. Uh, and to see rugby kind of have that resurgence over the last few years, Sevens is definitely a big part of that. It's, uh, it's hugely positive for rugby in Canada. 
Trout Lake went to the dogs today with the first Vancouver's biggest dog meetup of the year. Hosted by the Dogs of Van City group, dozens of canines and their owners gathered at Trout Lake Beach to, in East Vancouver. It's the eighth installment and the first meetup this decade. Organizers say everyone enjoys each other's company and the motto is, bring all the dogs, no dogs left behind. We've had a lot of messages on Facebook. They say, hey, I don't have a dog, but I really want to come. I'm like, come out, have a good time, you know. All these dogs here are very friendly. The owners are very nice. So it's, it's for everybody. It doesn't matter whether you're uh, bored, whether you love dogs, whether your kids love dogs, just come out and have a good time. It may be hard to believe, but today marks the beginning of wildfire season in Alberta. According to the province's Ministry of Agriculture and Forestry, wildfire season begins one month earlier in Alberta than in any other jurisdiction. Officials say research shows wildfires are starting earlier and lasting longer. The ministry says last year, though, more than 70 percent of Alberta wildfires were human-caused and that the devastating McMillan wildfire near Slave Lake in May was arson. Here in B.C., the 2019 fire season officially ends on March 31st, 2020, with the new season starting on April 1st. You heard right. Overall, fire activity in B.C. last year was well below the 10-year average and was the second least active wildfire season since 2011. The U.S. government says it's stepping up testing for COVID-19 in the wake of the first recorded deaths from the virus. State health officials announced yesterday that a man in Kirkland had died from the disease. They now believe COVID-19 may have been circulating in that state undetected for six weeks, meaning there may be hundreds of undiagnosed cases. So far, at least six people in the Seattle area have tested positive. 50 more in a nursing facility in Kirkland are ill and are being tested. The Louvre in Paris was closed today amid growing fears over the COVID-19 epidemic. There were long lineups outside the famed museum after staff refused to open the doors. Instead, they held a meeting about virus prevention efforts. There are no known infections among the museum's 2,300 workers. But some employees are said to be fearful of becoming contaminated by the flow of foreign visitors. Last year, almost three quarters of the Louvre's 9.6 million visitors came from abroad. Yesterday, the French government banned all indoor public gatherings of more than 5,000 people. Outside of Asia, Italy has one of the largest outbreaks of COVID-19, with Milan and Venice left as virtual ghost towns. Due to the heightened alert and a drop in travel demand, American Airlines has cancelled its flights to Milan until April 24th. Yesterday, the U.S. government issued increased travel restrictions to certain regions of Italy. There have been at least 34 deaths in Italy related to COVID-19, and more than 1,500 people have tested positive. A coughing Pope Francis told pilgrims at St. Peter's Square during his traditional Sunday blessing today that he's going to skip a week-long spiritual retreat because of a cold. It's the first time in his seven-year papacy that he will miss the Lent retreat. Today was the first time he has appeared publicly since Wednesday when he was seen coughing and blowing his nose during Mass. His condition is described as a slight illness. 
A major development tonight in the race to become the Democratic presidential nominee. Pete Buttigieg has dropped out. The former mayor of South Bend, Indiana, made the announcement in a speech just a short time ago. Buttigieg was the first openly gay presidential candidate to launch a major campaign. He won the Iowa caucuses last month by a narrow margin, but has been trailing Bernie Sanders and suffered a major loss yesterday in South Carolina. Meanwhile, Joe Biden is likely getting a boost from that news on top of his South Carolina primary win last night, heading into Super Tuesday. We just won and we've won big because of you. For weeks, the former U.S. vice president was overshadowed by Bernie Sanders. But last night, Biden got 49 percent of the vote, while the Vermont senator came in at a distant second with just 20 percent. Deadly race riots in India have taken yet another dark turn, this time against journalists covering them. During the riots, one reporter was shot. Another had his teeth knocked out. Mobs of rioters demanded that reporters prove their religion and tried to stop them from showing the vandalism and violence perpetrated by the mob. Rioters were swinging axes, swords, guns and metal pipes at each other. Tensions between Hindus and Muslims have been building for months after Hindu first policies were implemented by Prime Minister Narendra Modi's government, something which is antithetic to Indian democratic tradition. How an Edmonton news anchor helped actor Ryan Reynolds get a piece of his family history. We're going to have that for you right after Yvonne's forecast. But first, we want to show you this. In some marriages, one partner does all the heavy lifting, right? Well, today, that was the husband's as couples took to a 380-meter course in windy, soggy conditions for the 13th annual UK Wife Carrying Championships. With a minimum 110-pound wife rule and a bare of beer up for grabs for the winners, some couples proved unstoppable. No word on the winning time, and it's unclear if you actually have to be a couple, but the winning team can proceed to the World Championships in Finland later this year. And you know what, Yvonne? Um, you would make perfect <laughs> wife carrying fodder because you're, you're not that heavy. No, I am not that tall, but I wonder how comfortable it will be. No, right? Not good for anybody. No, I don't think it's comfortable for either party. No. <laughs> All right, thanks, Colleen, and good evening, everyone. Uh, we had a great day today, a few breaks. It was earlier on in the day. We have seen a few isolated showers pop up, and we are tracking some wet weather to kick things off. We're back to work in school on Monday, and I'll have the timeline, some of the amounts, as well as snow for the mountain passes in just a moment. Temperatures currently sitting at 4 to the airport. Southwesterly winds reporting dry conditions at this hour. Here's what we are seeing, so a bit of moisture did move in across the south coast, but the bulk of it is across the north and central coast. And this system is going to bring a significant amount of rain moving in. The heaviest precipitation beginning overnight, continuing through the day, both Monday, Tuesday, soggy days, so be prepared. And then as we approach the afternoon for tomorrow, we are looking at some snow. It'll be for the interior and then intensifying once again towards uh, tomorrow night. So it'll be soggy over the next couple of days. Rainfall amount sees us what, what we're seeing anywhere between 10 and potentially up to 20 million for a few areas. It looks to be lesser amounts for the southern tip of the island and the eastern edge as well. Higher amounts up to 15, 15 millimeters will be along the Sunshine Coast. Mountain passes, however, seeing a blast of snow for this evening. This is a current look at the tower cam. What we're seeing on the Coquihalla, checking with Drive BC for the latest road conditions when heading out. Hope to merit 10 and up to 20 centimeters and the snow will continue for the morning hours on Monday. Rogers Pass, 10 and up to 15, 5 and 10 between the Allison and 
Pine Pass. And then see the sky for Whistler. It's two and up to four centimeters this evening and then an additional two and up to four centimeters for tomorrow. So a heads up, we are tracking some snow and this evening as well across Metro Vancouver, higher elevations looking at wet snow. I've seen a few reports uh, up in Westwood Plateau. The northeastern corners of the province, one area, some bright spots over the next three days. Temperatures bumping up to four degrees above the average. Whitehorse, a chilly start with the wind chill feeling closer to minus nine tomorrow morning and the winds do ramp up for the afternoon. Gusts of up to 50 kilometers per hour. Snow moving in for both Tuesday and Wednesday. North coast, wet and windy along the coast. Inland, it's falling as rain over the next couple of days. Most areas near the Caribou and Central Interior, it's rainfall, but windy conditions, gusts of up to 50 kilometers per hour. Columbia and Kootenai, a bit of a bright spot for tomorrow. Mild into the double digits. Highs up to 10 degrees over the next two days. And the tops in Okanagan will see a dry start to the morning. Increasing cloud cover. Showers developing for the afternoon. The snow level sitting closer to 1100 meters. Whistler snowfall for tomorrow, so two and up to four centimeters, and then changing over to rain as temperatures climb up to six degrees on Tuesday. In the island, it is going to be wet and windy. The south coast will see that through the day. Soggy over the next couple. Here is your school day forecast, so grab the rain gear for tomorrow. Cooler in the morning, starting off at four degrees by the lunch hour, sitting at six and after school up to seven. That'll be the high. So wet snowfall for higher elevations this evening. A heads up over the next couple. Couple of days it'll be snow for the local mountains we are going to see a nice bright spot so calling focus on wednesday this is the day it'll be a mild one up to 10 degrees we've actually got a nice break in between systems but be prepared for some wet weather over the next couple of back to you almost like spring on wednesday oh, we're getting close. yeah beautiful thanks so much yvonne a global edmonton news anchor unearthed some canadian celebrity history this week in a tweet on friday gord stanky told ryan reynolds that he was at the alberta legislature when a security guard showed him this photo. It includes the Reynolds grandfather, Reynolds grandfather Chester. Now, Reynolds thanks Stanky in a tweet on Saturday saying, quote, I only have a couple of photos of my grandfather and none when he was a young man. This means a lot to me. Sometimes Twitter isn't a giant swimming pool filled with digital rabies. Politician Chester Ambrose, or Chess Reynolds, is in the middle of the top row, fourth in from the left. You see him? And his grandson, Ryan, bears a striking resemblance to him. Chester Reynolds served as a social credit MLA from 1940 to 1944. He died in 1983. Wouldn't that be amazing? Oh, it's a nice use of They do look too. alike. Yes, yeah. they do. That's the right. Something, po something, something positive. positive. <laughs> wow, that is true. I guess 1% of the time. Yeah. yeah. We'll take no one's complaining. If you're not on Twitter, it's, it can be a really nasty Yeah, stay Twitter. off. It's, there's yeah. too much on there. No need. No need. <laughs> Yeah, the Canuck fans uh, could be going to Twitter pretty uh, soon, and it won't be it won't be nice. <laughs> it was uh, going so well, but um, two words: epic collapse oh. is going on right now in Columbus. So, still time to, I say, uh, perhaps maybe save this one. But they uh, were up by two, now they're down one, very late. So we'll have highlights of that. Time of year when NHL coaches are losing sleep, right? And their hair. <laughs> and their hair. Not a lot of uh, NHL coaches with great hair. Travis Green's is good for now. But if this keeps up, 
Not it's going to start thinning right out. All right, thanks, Colleen. With the playoff race so tight, uh, no team in contention can afford to go in a slump, and the Canucks are certainly trending that way after back-to-back -back losses in Ottawa and Toronto. Sure, Thatcher Demko did not play well in goal, but the team around him wasn't great either. But tonight, a chance to at least go 500 on the trip if they could win in Columbus. And Louis Demang, first Canuck start. They acquired him from New Jersey last Monday after Markstrom got hurt. At the Canucks were open or ready rather from the opening drop first shift Tanner Pearson will hit the post Bo Horvat just missed knocking it in but a penalty on the play and on that ensuing power play they cash in Elias Pettersson the hard pass redirected in by Bo Horvat for his 21st great start it's one nothing and then later in the first more Canuck pressure Tyler Myers point shot perfectly tipped in by Pedersen. Great hand-eye by the gifted Swede, his 26th. It's 2-0 Vancouver, but Columbus does get one back. Demangs with the trouble corralling the long shot here. Kevin Stenland knocks in the loose puck, and it's 2-1. Jackets started to carry the play, but Demang comes up big. One save here, and then sprawls to make another to keep it 2-1 after one early second the big line strikes again Pedersen with the quick feed to JT Miller who fires the one-timer past Eunice Corposalo for his 26th Pedersen and Miller three points apiece 3-1 Canucks and uh, this one got a little physical Zach McEwen in the lineup for the injured Jay Beagle scraps Stefan Mateau Canucks 13th fight this year and they were in good shape up Two goals, seven minutes to go in the third period, still up two, but Columbus makes it interesting. Zach Wierenski will uh, help set up the uh, goal by Riley Nash. 3-2 at that point. Then on the power play, Wierenski with his 20th. Maybe that's one Demang should have got, and they've just added another on the power play and an empty netter. Four goals in the last seven minutes, and the Canucks blow it. They lose 5-3. Tough loss. Now, Flames in Florida to play the struggling Panthers. Calgary strikes first on the power play. Johnny Gaudreau with the wrister. 1-0 after one. Second period. Flames crashing the net. It's big Milan Lucic from the doorstep. That's his seventh. 2-0 Flames. And then early in the third, T.J. Brody unloads from the point. Mark Giordano had three assists. Flames win 3-0 and with the Vancouver loss, Calgary jumps ahead of the Canucks into third in the Pacific. The Canucks are in the wild card now, slipping fast. Caps and Wild, Minnesota just a point out of the wild card. 1-0 Wild in the first, but Alex Ovechkin on the power play is 44th. Have we seen him one time a puck like that from that position before? Maybe 400 times. Career goal 702. Now 2-1 caps. It's the Russian mob. Kovalchuk, Kuznetsov to Ovechkin, number 703. It's now 3-2 caps in the second. And we've got some Flyers and Rangers. Alain Flyers all of a sudden in the hunt for the division title. Just three points behind Washington when the day began. First period already 1-0 when they score on the power play. Sean Couturier cashes the rebound to make it 2-0. And then in the second, Abbotsford's Derek Grant acquired by the Flyers. Deadline day from Anaheim gets his first as a Flyer. And it's a beauty. What a move he makes there on Henrik Lundqvist for his 15th. That made it 4-0. Flyers with three power play goals today, including this one on the deflection by Travis Konechny. Flyers win again 5-3, now just a point behind first place Washington in the Metropolitan Division.
And in the Western Hockey League, Vancouver Giants fall 4-1 to Victoria. They'd won the first two games this weekend against the Royals, but Victoria wins, and now the teams are both tied for second in the BC division. Ontario's Mackenzie Hughes had to birdie his second-last hole on Friday just to make the cut at the Honda Classic this weekend. But since then, Hughes has tamed one of the toughest courses on tour, PGA National. He shot the low round of the day yesterday, a 466, to get within four of the lead. And today, Hughes kept the momentum going and made a very serious run at his second-ever PGA Tour victory. Hughes won the RSM Classic back in November 2016, but has struggled this year. Just two cuts made out of 12 tournaments, but he's a great ball striker and rediscovered his game this weekend. Fantastic approach shot here at the eighth. Knocks it to two feet, made the birdie. Goes to minus three, just three back. Also hot with the putter at the 11th from 30 feet. Rolls it perfectly into the cup for another birdie. Gets to four under and now just a shot back. In a bit of trouble at 13 from the greenside bunker, but... He turns that into a birdie as well as he holes out, gets to five under. Mackenzie Hughes is tied for the lead. Now he bogeyed 16 to fall one back, but then at the famed 17th, very tough par three, 54 feet away. Would you believe tracking in for the unlikely, unbelievable birdie? Hughes all jacked up back into a tie for the lead. But playing partner Sun Jae Im of South Korea from eight feet on the same hole for birdie, knocks it in. So now he's got a one-shot lead at minus six. On the 18th, McKenzie needs to birdie to tie for the lead. A 21-footer. This looks good, but just rolls by. McKenzie Hughes, a valiant effort, but a second-place finish. Still won $763,000. Not a bad weekend. Now, Tommy Fleetwood can still force a playoff with a birdie at 18, going for the green and two on the par five. But Tommy is going to find a watery grave. Ends up making bogey. 21-year-old Sung J.M. wins his first PGA Tour event, the Honda Classic. Hugs his caddy, Albin Choi of Surrey, who has played golf on the Canadian and Corn Ferry Tours. And he's part of Sung J.M.'s first tour victory. Welcome back. The uh, Whitecaps kind of laid an egg in their season opener last uh, night. They came out nervous, fell behind, and I don't think played the kind of soccer they've been working on all preseason. They fall 3-1 to Sporting Kansas City. Now, the Whitecaps literally changed over half their roster from a year ago. Lots of excitement going in. They were down 1-0. This was one of the positives as David Malinkovic dancing along the end line sets up Jake Nerwinski for the goal. Nerwinski's first ever home goal in his MLS career ties it at one. But before the half, Gaddy Kinda with a fantastic response for sporting. That's a great shot. No chance for Max Crepeau there. It was 2-1 at the half. Vancouver did have some chances. Of course, their big offseason acquisition, Lucas Cavallini. But great save by Tim Melia and the Whitecaps fall short 3-1 to Sporting Kansas City. The beginning was disappointing. Um, a lot of anxiety on our side. Uh, we really wanted to do well. We were ready to play the game and for some reason uh, we just didn't start the way we wanted to. Um, the reasons, uh, we don't know. The guys were, were ready and very, very excited for this game, but um, then those first 20, especially 20 minutes, were not good. MLS today, the defending champion Seattle Sounders opening their 2020 season at home to the Chicago Fire. The Sounders were down in the second half, but Jordan Morris with the cross goes in off a Chicago defender. They credit the goal to Morris, ties it at one, and then in stoppage time off the corner kick, 
Little flick on, and it's Morris again to head it in, ruled onside. Sounders win their season opener 2-1 over Chicago. EPL Manchester United still chasing a Champions League spot at Everton. David De Gea with the clearance. Uh, off the hard-charging Dominic Calvert-Lewin, a bizarre play. Everton up 1-0, but Bruno Fernandes smashes home the equalizer. It ends 1-1. Man United now fifth with 42 points. Ten more games to go in the EPL season. NBA tonight, Raptors beginning a tough five-game Western trip in Denver. Raps 42-17, second in the East. Nuggets 40-19, third in the West. Canadian Jamal Murray in fine form, hits five threes in the first quarter. Denver led 40-32 after one. High-scoring first half, Raps on the break. Kyle Lowry to Norm Powell for the finish. 73-69 Denver at halftime. Third quarter, more from Murray. Drives the lane, gets the bucket and the foul. Hopefully this guy leads Canada to an Olympic berth this summer in Victoria at the qualifying tournament uh, this June. OG Ananobi getting lots of playing time with both uh, Serge Ibaka and Marc Gasol out at a career-high 32. The Raptors trying to keep it close, but the Nuggets taking advantage of the Raps' lack of size under the basket. Nikola Jokic hits the shot. He had a triple-double, 23 points, 17 boards, 10 assists. Nuggets win at 133-118. And at the Briar, Jim Cotter of BC lost to Ontario, so he's 1-1. One so look at your snow for tonight. Three new centimeters for Whistler Blackcomb and Cypress. Grouse with a base of 358 and 295 for Sasquatch. Manning Park, three new centimeters. Revelstoke, a base of 257. Kicking Horse, five new centimeters. Five new centimeters for Big White, two for Silver Star and Sun Peaks and Apex, 15 new centimeters. Mount Washington, a base of 170. Four new centimeters for Whitewater and Red Mountain. Powder King, a base of 372. All right, we've got some breaking news. Another person in Washington state has died from COVID-19. The man in his 70s had underlying health conditions and was treated at a Kirkland hospital. Well, you know, for weeks, we have all been talking about COVID-19 at home, at school, at work. People want to know how to protect themselves and their families. So to help separate fact from fiction, infectious disease specialist Dr. William Schaffner answers some of the questions you might have. What's the best way to prevent the virus? What is the risk for somebody like us to contract this? How can I avoid it? Avoid people who are coughing and sneezing at the present yeah. time. Lots of good hand washing. The people at greatest risk of coronavirus infection are people who are older. It's flu-like symptoms. Well, it's certainly flu-like symptoms. And the whole spectrum of illness from very severe to much less severe, we're now only appreciating. Older persons, people with underlying illnesses such as heart disease, diabetes, and lung disease, they're more likely to get pneumonia and the more serious coronavirus infections. Is it airborne? It, it can be transmitted through close contact. Mm -hmm. If I have the virus and I breathe it out and you, we're standing this close and mm -hmm. you breathe it in, close. you can get sick. <laughs> Do you get the mask that you wear? That's a very good question. Good you know, the masks really don't help you very much okay. at all. What percentage of people now are dying from the coronavirus? The data from China would indicate it's about 2% of people, but most of us think that's too high. Coronavirus probably can survive on the surface for several hours. The good news is that common household disinfectants will kill the virus. I'll be flying soon, so I was wondering like, what precautions or is there any concern? So actually, I think the risk is going to be very low, but every time you travel, wash your hands a lot, okay. 
and avoid those people who are <coughs> coughing, coughing and sneezing. At the present time, I think it's very prudent for the family to think ahead. What if the coronavirus should come and we would be asked to sort of quarantine ourselves at home? Think about what you would do. Who would take care of the children because they may be home from school? Make sure you have enough medicine for people who take medicine at home that might last for two or three weeks. Can healthy people fight it off on their own? If you get sick, we can take care of you. We don't have a direct antiviral drug, but we'll give you good supportive care. And fortunately, most people recover. And it's in our job, it's about walking the fine line between informing people about this virus and not overhyping it, not being alarmist. Panic because, mode. Right, because 80% of the people who get it are going to be just fine. So we hope you're just fine. Thanks for joining us tonight. Have a good evening. Jordan will be here at 11.